It's Sunday, June 6th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. We pray that as you worship with us this morning, that your heart and soul will be refreshed with the Word of God. This morning, we continue with the final message of the message series entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am. This morning's message is the benefits of remaining, or you can say, abiding in Christ. Found in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Greetings. We are glad that you joined us for this Sunday morning worship service. And I'd like to uh, give a special thank you to Marilyn for uh, playing the prelude, and she'll also be playing during the uh, congregational singing, and also the postlude. I am Bill Siemens. Due to the COVID restrictions, we cannot meet for in-church services, but fortunately, you can join us on the internet, YouTube, on cable channel 12 at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and uh, again at 6 p.m. on Tuesday evenings, as well as on DVD and CDs available from the church office. I would like 
to briefly review our church bulletin with you, which you can also get online or pick up at the church office. We note in church prayer and praise, continue to pray for Peter Panner. He has been released from the hospital, but awaiting heart valve replacement. Under missionaries for this week are Preston and Myra. They certainly appreciate our prayer support. The COVID pandemic has caused them to make major changes to their ministry plans. We are still looking for someone to fill in while our church secretary is away on holidays. The dates are given in the bulletin. The uh, Winkler Bible Camp is still looking for more cooks for May to August. Uh, For more highlights, please check your bulletin. I would like to respond to the many challenges this pandemic has laid on us and offer some words of encouragement and hope found in Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you are our living God. Receive the praises we offer in worship and song today. Thank you that we can also bring our burdens to you and you hear us. We long for your comfort and guidance. We are reminded of those struggling with health issues. You know their needs. Provide them with your assurance and comfort. We pray for the families that have loved ones who are in their end-of-life journey. Give them peace, comfort, and assurance of your enduring love. We pray for missionaries Preston and Myra. They too face unusual challenges during this time and seek your guidance. Lord, we thank you for the hope that spring and summer brings to us. But with the unusual circumstances this year, there is also much anxiety and stress. We pray that you give guidance to the many that are affected by the COVID virus in their daily lives. Inspire us to rest in your loving assurance and care. You are our loving God, and we know you care for us. We ask that you favor us with rain for our plants and crops. We pray that you give Pastor Dean the words you have in mind for us as he ministers on having a closer relationship with you. Give us the ears to hear 
and their quietness to comprehend. We bring before you all this in your precious name. Amen. Next song is Leaning on the Everlasting Arms.
morning, everybody. Welcome here. I'm glad to be with you again today. Now, I have been in my garden this week and uh, got some of my garden stuff here. First, I tilled the garden. Okay, well, Pastor Vic actually tilled it. But then I dug holes and put plants and seeds into the ground. I covered them with just enough soil, and then I gave those seeds lots of water. And now, I guess in a few days, I'm expecting to see those plants coming up. And after they get bigger and bigger, I hope to eat some vegetables that will come from those plants. And just like we heard last week, each seed is going to produce its own kind of plant with its own kind of vegetable. It won't be a surprise. It won't be a surprise what comes up and which vegetable I'm going to eat. If I plant carrot seeds, I'm going to get carrots. If I plant morning glories, I'm going to have a beautiful flower after a while. And if I have cucumbers, they're going to make cucumbers. It's amazing and wonderful to see how God works and makes things grow. It's wonderful to watch a garden grow. Do you know that the Bible also talks about growing fruit in us? Not apples or oranges or mango. Listen to the verse from Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. It's right over here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. Now if we love and believe in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us and to grow this fruit in us. As we love Jesus and keep choosing to believe and obey him, that fruit will grow bigger and bigger in us. Now, what would happen? Here, I've got, Pastor Vic bought me this very beautiful flower for today, but I brought another flower to show you something and to see What would happen if I took my cutter and I snipped this branch off? What is going to happen to this beautiful flower and this branch? Is it going to keep growing? Is it going to make more flowers when this one is done? No, it won't. This is going to be a problem for this branch because it's going to die. Because it's no longer attached to the plant. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, 
you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. God is the one that makes this fruit grow in us, just like he makes our gardens grow. And just like I needed to do my part in giving the seeds in the garden what they needed to grow, we also need to do our part to stay connected to Jesus the vine. We do that by loving Jesus. Here are some ways we can stay connected to Jesus, stay connected in the vine. Read and get to know your Bible. It's God's own word to us. Pray and ask God to help you understand what you read and then help you to obey what you read, what he says. Stay connected to other people who love Jesus. Keep talking about the Bible and studying it together. Keep coming to church and to Sunday school once COVID lets us do that again. And love other people. Jesus said love each other and serve one another. Those are all ways that we can stay connected to Jesus the vine. As we love Jesus more and more, we will bear much fruit, much fruit of the Spirit. Why don't you memorize one or maybe both of these passages in the next week or so? I would love to see you do that, accomplish that. It's a little bit of hard work, but it's very good. You could send me a video clip and show me that you've been able to do that. I would love to see that. So, we want to stay connected to Jesus the vine, and then we will grow and bear much fruit. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you've given us your very own word, the Bible, to teach us everything we need to know. Thank you that when we believe in you, Jesus, you give us the Holy Spirit to help us understand your word and to grow the fruit of the Spirit in us. Please help us all, children big and small, to do our part in staying connected to you. Thank you that as we love and stay connected to you, as we learn to trust and obey you, you make that beautiful fruit of your spirit grow in us more and more. And then we can also bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. Have a good day. Today's scripture is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I'll be reading from the NIV Study Bible. And this, the reading comes under a subtitle, Jesus Teaches About the Vine and the Branches. I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do not what, pardon me, if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in his name. This is my command, love each other. Thus far in God's word. In his book, Deepening Your Conversation with God, Ben Patterson tells this story about George Mueller. The Diary of George Mueller, Christian Social Reformer from the Victoria, Victorian Era, chronicled his devotion in prayer. George Mueller wrote, In November of 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I pray, prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land, on sea, or whatever pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for another, for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. Then, of course, um, 
Patterson says this, 36 years later, he wrote, or George Mueller wrote, that the other two, sons of one of the Mueller's friends, were still not converted. And then George Mueller wrote in his diary, But I hope in God, I pray on, and look for for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Now, interestingly, in 1897, 52 years later, after he began to pray, after George Mueller began to pray, these two men finally were converted after George Mueller had passed away. Mueller understood what Jesus meant when he told his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. Close quote. How can a person continue to pray for the conversion of others every day for 52 years and not give up? And the answer is by abiding in Christ. The Christian life is impossible to live apart from Christ. The trouble is that too often you and I try to do it in our own strength. This in turn leads to a joyless life. To compensate, we fill our lives with more and more activities as we become more and more unfilled. Louis Schaefer, who was the president of Dell's Theological Seminary, put, or who was the first president of Dell's Theological Seminary, put it this way. He says, much of our Christian life is nothing more than a cheap anesthetic to deaden the pain of an empty life. Too often, as believers, we find more fulfillment in other things than to spend time with the Lord in his word and prayer. If we are not remaining in Christ, if we are not abiding in Christ, we are just putting in the time. In John 15, this is the last of the seven statements of Jesus declaring himself to be the great I am. In other words, God. In verses 1 and verse 5, Jesus declares himself to be the vine. He says, I am the vine. Jesus claims to be God in the flesh. And he is the only one who can fulfill us and make our life complete and enable us to bear fruit. Before we go in the message this morning, let's bow our heads in the word of prayer that the Lord would speak to each of our hearts and change us as we continue to walk with him. Heavenly Father, we pause before you to give you thanks. When we look at the life of George Mueller and see how converted, how dedicated he was in regards to praying for the conversion of others, we can see how you work because he was abiding in Christ. And Jesus, you said that you are the vine. I am the vine. Indeed, you are the one who is God in the flesh. I pray, Father, that you would teach us one more time how we can abide in Jesus Christ and walk in his strength as we lean for into uh, him to give us our wisdom and guidance. So I pray, Father, as we look into your word, that you would speak once more Give us, give the word clarity so that it will be within our hearts and it'll continue to transform us each and every day into the likeness of Jesus. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we want to look at the benefits of remaining or abiding in Christ, better put. 
So what are these benefits? Well, the benefit number one is this, so that we can bear fruit, verses 1 through 4. So that we can bear fruit, verses 1 through 4. Jesus declares himself to be the true vine, and his father is the gardener. In the Old Testament, Israel is often referred to as being the choicest vines planted by God. God longed for fruit from the vine, but instead it became deteriorated and it produced rotten fruit. Nothing is worse than fruit that looks good on the outside, but is rotten in the inside. Have you ever purchased pears or nectarines or peaches or some other type of fruit that looked good on the outside, only to find out that when you bit in, into it, it was rotten on the inside? Matter of fact, it started rotting from the inside and maybe perhaps didn't even make it, the rot didn't even make its way out to the outside. But when you looked at it, it looked great. But when you bit into it, as I said, it tasted very unpleasant. I think that is how God felt with Israel, and he feels with many of us today who call ourselves believers yet fail to produce good fruit. So Jesus declares himself to be the true vine, and his father is the gardener. We have to ask ourselves, why does anyone plant a garden or a fruit tree? And the answer is, answer is that they so that they will produce fruit. So the plant, vine, or tree's goal is to, pardon me, produce as much fruit as possible. So what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here? First, I believe that fruit is the character that is found in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23 that we are so familiar with. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then the Apostle Paul says, against such thing there is no law. Close quote. This in turn then leads or this in turn then leads to bringing others to Christ. How can you and I bring anyone to Christ if no one can see Christ in us? In verse 2, it tells us this, He cuts off every branch, which is the Father, in me, which is Jesus. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. I want you to realize that no one is exempt from from the pruning hand of the gardener. The branches will be pruned if they bear little or no fruit. Let me ask you a question. What is God pruning away in your life so that you can be more fruitful? What is God pruning away from your life that is keeping you from producing all the fruit that he wants you to produce? In verse 2 and 5, there is a pattern that God wants for every believer, which is fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. God's ultimate goal is to take us for Take us from little to great in bearing fruit. It's like the old saying, I'm sure you heard, 
good, better, best, and never let it rest till the good turns to the better and the better to the best. Verse 3 is exciting. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. We come to Christ through the word and stay in tune with Christ through the word. The moment we repent, turn from our sins, and decide to follow Christ as Savior is the moment we are transformed. We were a child of the darkness, and now we're the child of the light. We were headed to hell, and now we're headed to heaven. It is the same thing in John chapter 13, verse 10, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet and Jesus declared to them um, to be clean, that they were clean already, because of the word that he had already preached to them. However, Judas was not clean because the word had never cleansed his heart. I believe that he would be an example of a branch that was cut off in verse 2. And then verse 4 tells us that no one can bear fruit unless he remains in Christ. You and I are not the source or even a holding tank. We are only a pipe, a conduit, or a wire. As long as we are attached to the conduit or the, or, uh, the water, it makes all, or pardon me, as long as we are attached to the conduit, which is the main part, the water or power will flow through us. As soon as we become detached, we are useless. That can't be emphasized enough. Now we come to the second point of the benefits of remaining in Christ. So that we can bring glory to the Father in verses 5 through 8. In verse 5, Jesus tells us again, I am the vine, you are the branches. Never forget that you are and who Christ is. We tend to forget that we are not self-sufficient, but we are totally dependent upon him. In the same way, we are only stewards of everything that God has given us. You and I are not the owners. We did not go to work this week or go for groceries or some other place in the car that we own because God is the owner of the vehicle. Neither are your material possessions, your house or your body or your children, yours. Everything and everyone is given to us on loan. And one day we will relinquish everything and our hand will be pried open. We have brought nothing into the world and we're taking nothing out of the world except others who have been won to Christ during our brief stay here. That is a very sobering thought. We bring nothing into the world. We take nothing out of the world except other believers. Jesus states it very clearly. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Or we can say that whatever you and I do apart from Christ literally will mean nothing in God's eyes. You and I can't bear any fruit without Christ. If we work in our own strength, we work in the flesh. Nothing done in the flesh will last. Look at verse 6 
with me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Wow. The question is, who or what do the branches symbolize? Here are three views, and I want to underscore this, three views of people, um, the way they look at it, and it's given by E. A. Bloom, and he presents these three views how people see it. One is, not for the first one, the burned branches are Christians who have lost their salvation. However, this contradicts many passages, such, such as John 3.16 um, and verse 36, John chapter 5, verse 24, and John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29 in Romans verse, chapter 8, verse 1. The second view is the burned branches represents Christians who will lose rewards, but not salvation at the judgment seat of Christ, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. But Jesus spoke here of dead branches, and such branches is thrown away, and they wither. Now the third view is the burned branches referred, refers to professing professing Christians who, like Judas, are not genuinely saved and therefore are judged. And like a branch, a person without Christ is spiritually dead and therefore will be punished in eternal fire, Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. Judas was with Jesus. He seemed like a branch, but he did not have God's life in him. Therefore he departed. His destiny was like that of a dead branch. Close quote. Whatever point you choose, there are consequences for not remaining in Christ and bearing fruit. Losing one's soul is the ultimate loss. And losing one's reward and and disappointing Christ will be a shameful blow. Turn with me, if you happen to have your Bibles, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. Listen what it says. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as one expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for one can lay any foundation other Pardon me, for no one can lay any other foundation other than one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built, if what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Close quote. Now let's look at another portion of scripture found in John chapter one. John, or first John, um, chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. He says this, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. 
We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from the beginning and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. Former Bible teacher, preacher Woodrow Kroll from Back to the Bible uh, radio broadcast wrote a book entitled Facing Your Final Job Review, The Judgment Seat of Christ, Salvation and Eternal Rewards. And this is what he says about this portion of scripture found in 1 John chapter 1 verses 3 to 7. He says, abide is a synonym for fellowship, which is the subject of John's letter. It means to remain in Christ or live in him in such a way that you draw of his life as the source of your own. It means that you are totally dependent on him for your salvation and your spiritual strength. It means... Or this is the basis of rewards or the cause of their loss, remaining in the Christ-dependent life. John is concerned that his friends live in the Lord and labor for him, close quote. Now back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. Everything that you and I do will be tested by fire and it will burn up. As believers, we will suffer great loss. Our motives will all be examined and exposed on that day as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Sindas, a skillful architect, Building a watchtower for the king of Egypt caused his own name to be engraved upon a stone in the wall in great letters and afterwards covered it with limestone or with lime and mortar and upon the outside of that wrote the name of the king of Egypt in golden letters. This was all done by Sinaitis, pretending that it was for the honor and the glory of the king of Egypt. But Hin but herein was his cunning. He was very, or he very well knew that the dashing of the water would in time consume the plastering as, as it did. And then that, then, and then his name and memory should abide to after generations. This man had hidden motives. Although it looked like he did the right thing, we too will, will be examined one day by fire. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 15 teaches us that it is possible for believers to live a carnal life in the flesh and lose many rewards. So the next question we need to answer is what does it mean to remain in Christ? Verse 7 says this, If you remain in me and my word remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. One of the keys to remaining or abiding in Christ is prayer. If you and I are not talking with the Lord, then we have no communication. 
When we read the word, God speaks to us. And when we pray, we speak to God. And verse 10 demonstrates that remaining in Christ means being obedient to his commands. So abiding in Christ encompasses three things. Reading the word, prayer, and obedience. And if we're reading the word and prayer and there's no obedience, there's something wrong. And if we're not reading the word, and if we're not praying and we're trying to be obedient... That is impossible too. It encompasses the three. Otherwise, we break fellowship with God and our war work is done in our own strength. In the book, No Bad Dogs, by British dog trainer Barbara Woodhouse, she says dogs understand love better than we do. She writes, in a dog's mind, a master or a mistress to love, honor, and obey is an absolute necessity. The love is dormant in a dog until brought into full bloom by an understanding of the owner. Thousands of dogs appear to love their owners. They welcome them home with their enthusiastic wagging of their tails and jumping up. They follow them about their house happily. And to the average person seeing the dog, the affection is genuine and deep. But to the experienced dog trainer, this outward show is not enough. The actual test of love occurs when the dog has got the opportunity to go out on his own. As soon as the door is left open by mistake and it goes off and often doesn't return home for hours. The dog loves only its home and comfort and the attention it gets from the family. It doesn't truly love the master or mistress as they fondly think. True Love in dogs is apparent when the door is left open and the dog stays happily within the earshot of the master's voice. Close quote. If we remain, if we are remaining in Christ, we can ask for whatever we wish and it is ours. The key is that if we are in Christ, we will not be asking selfishly, like, give me a million dollars so I can spend it the way that I want. Give me a good time so I can enjoy whatever I want down here and get lost down here. That is self-seeking and self-serving. When we remain in the vine, then our lives are aligned with his will. And we find out what God's will is And then we pray for God's will to be done. Notice in verse 8 that the reason we are to bear much fruit is so that God the Father will be glorified. We bear fruit by our prayer life, which allows God to work in us and through us. We can't bear fruit by ourselves. The fruit that the believer's life produces is produced by the supernatural power of God. It is God who gets the glory. It is God who gets the praise. It is God who gets the the credit. All the glory points to God and he receives the glory. If we get the glory, then it is done in our flesh. And it's done in our self and in our power. So what can we gather from this morning's message that we can apply to our lives today?
The answer is that the pruning takes place on the vine in two aspects according to verse 2. Let me repeat that. The answer is that the pruning takes place on the vine in two aspects according to verse 2. Listen as I read that verse. He cuts off every branch in me, which is Jesus, and Jesus is speaking. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In the first part of verse 2, we can gather that the branches that do not bear fruit are dead and are not connected to the vine, Jesus, the vine who is Jesus Christ. Thus they are thrown into the fire and they burn, are burned up. These are people who have never made a decision to follow Christ. And if you have never decided to follow Christ, you need to do that today. You need to do that as soon as you can. Second, the branches that do bear fruit, he prunes them. That's right. The branches, in other words, in the believer's life, there are some things that are taking place that are causing fruit to go. And at the same time, there are some things in the believer's life that is hindering the fruit from being produced. You and I have to ask ourselves a question, what is hindering us from growing in the Lord? Maybe there are some evil things such as anger, resentment, gossiping, slander, lust, unforgiveness, or something else. You just name it. If the Lord has been speaking to us as believers about this, we need to deal with them. We need to take it out of our life. Otherwise, the Lord will force us to deal with them sometime in some way. Or it may be some good thing in themselves that consume all of our time and our energy. And we have no time for spending our energy in God's word, in prayer, and being obedient to him. There is nothing wrong with golfing, fishing, gardening, having a trailer or camper, or having others, others, some other type of hobby. But if anything pushes God out of our lives, then it needs to be pruned from our lives. I close with a story I read many years ago. It was about a believer who was so busy, but he actually asked God that he wanted to be more close to him. And he said, Lord, how can you make me more close to you? And it was shortly after that this man had an accident which caused him to be bedridden for many months. He was not angry with the Lord, but instead he relished this time for the first time where he could spend so much time in God's word and praying and listening to the voice of God. This injury turned out to be one of the greatest blessings in his life because he learned how to abide in Christ. And that's my prayer for you and myself, that God will bring things into our lives that will cause us to be pushed closer to him so that we can walk in his light and we can abide and remain in Christ. May this be your prayer, that he would draw you unto himself. Sunshine in my soul.
I close with this benediction found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for joining us and worshiping with us today. And we welcome you back next week at the same time to join us in worshiping the Lord.